listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with me, Jade Elliott, where we talk all things pregnancy, children, and parenting. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV 2 News podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health. You're listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with myself, Jade Elliott. Joined today by certified nurse midwife, Leah Moses with Intermountain Healthcare. Thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. We are talking about painful periods, heavy bleeding, and could that lead to other things? Could that be something else? Could it be uterine fibroids? Could it be endometriosis? Questions a lot of women have um, on a topic that isn't really discussed too much. Um, And we kind of want to open the book on that. You know, women experience, um, you know, their menstrual periods very differently. Uh, and it can be from woman to woman. It can even be from period to period. Symptoms can vary. Intensity can vary. Um, you know, like I said, from woman to woman or month to month. Uh, and you're going to kind of walk us through some of the things that we should be aware of. And if it could be something else that we need to you know, talk to you about, talk to our OB about. Um, so we appreciate it. It's a topic, of course, that, like I said, it's not really discussed much. Yeah, it can feel very medical. Um, I'm glad to address it today, though, because I think it is something that's really important. So just like you said, you know, women experience menstrual periods and with such a variety of symptoms, sometimes even month to month, and sometimes throughout their lifetime, it can vary beginning, middle and end of childbearing years. So that's kind of what we call it childbearing years. So those time that that whole time where we're either menstruating, having children or in, um, and all the way up to perimenopause or early menopause. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, this is, this is a several decade long experience for, um, those of us who have, um, women's reproductive organs and right challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes we feel like things are totally, completely normal and it may actually be something out, um, out of the range of normal. And when it comes to some of these period symptoms, you know, whether we're thinking they're normal or not, we're not always talking about them, but it is important to talk about. And is it something that we should also be talking to like our family members about as well? Is there, is there a correlation between, you know, genetics or you know, if my mom had really bad cramps and heavy bleeding, if my mom had endometriosis, is that something that I might have or, or my daughter might have? Does it work that way? So this is a really interesting topic. Um, you know, when, we're t- when it comes to heavy bleeding and painful periods, sometimes it can be passed on. There's not something that we know of for sure within obstetrics that's an exact correlation genetically, but definitely um, anatomical features can be passed on. And that, that definitely is a possibility. I think there's a lot more information that we need to learn about that. But mm-hmm. oftentimes um, women do talk to their friends and family and they're trying to compare notes, right? Um, to figure out like what happened for you. And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes women um, as, as mothers or aunts, you know, in the family will, will kind of give younger women this expectation that this is going to happen for you too, you know, whether it's light periods or whether it's heavy periods or painful. And so that's, that's interesting. Sometimes we, we do follow pattern, but, but sometimes we don't, it's very, it actually can be different. So we also get false expectations thinking oh, our period is going to be easy. It's me fine. And then they're horrible or vice versa. Or vice versa. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Because the, because those things can be related to um, underlying conditions. And that can be a little bit different depending on the health of the woman. When it comes to periods, maybe be, maybe be more on the heavy side. 
what what should we be looking at when it comes to that getting you know a heavier period maybe than we've had in the past or if we just start off with our menstrual cycle and we think wow this is this is a lot more than i expected Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. So in the early years when women start the period, so when girls start menstruating, their body's getting used to this these hormone surges. And so oftentimes you think about like, you know, younger preteen or teenage girls are really moody. Well, part of that is related to hormone release. And not only can we have mood changes, but also cycle changes too. So it's not uncommon. You can talk to any pediatrician who has a younger girl come into the office and, and ask about cycles and starting um, menstruation and really, you know, as the lining of the uterus gets used to these hormones, you can have a period here and there, a big space of time, even six to eight, nine months, even up to a year, and then more bleeding again. And then other girls actually start and they have varying quantities of bleeding each month, but they continue to bleed each month. So it's really different, but a lot of times there can be heavier bleeding in the very beginning, um, or at least the first couple of years. And then things kind of start to regulate throughout the middle of what we call childbearing years. Well, and then I would assume during those childbearing years, your period can definitely be impacted, you know, kind of before and then after a pregnancy as well. Sure. Yeah. We can have impact on periods by pregnancy, by with um, our diet, hydration. I mean, there are so many different things about, and then again, those underlying health conditions, like, like I had mentioned that we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about, you know, heavy periods, heavy menstrual bleeding, when, uh, when, and at what point should we maybe think, okay, this is a lot, this maybe isn't normal. Um, when should we, when should we talk to our provider? When should we seek care? When should we, you know, do that next step of, okay, something's maybe not right here. Sure. We actually really strongly encourage women to keep track. So in a journal or an app, figure out what is your, uh, your period cycle. So quantity, quality, meaning quantity is like, basically we kind of talk about it in how many pads are you filling? So a normal menstrual pad, a lot of women will use tampons and that's fine. You can use that as well, but how, how many of those are you feeling? Are you feeling a pad per hour? That's an emergent visit. You need to get to the emergency room right away. If that's happening for you, a pad per hour. Um, and that's happening over and over again. That's, that's mm-hmm. too much blood loss. But for most of us, we can kind of quantify, all right, I use about a pad, you know, in a day and no one leaves a pad until it soaks. Right. <laughs> this is something that we don't all talk about, but right. <laughs> so you have to kind of just, you know, guesstimate how many are you using, you know, per day in a 24 hour period in a 12 hour period. Mm-hmm. And then keep track of that. And then beyond that, you know, if you have continuous heavy bleeding every month, it's just like several pads every day, days in a row, then that's something that you need to talk to a provider about, but bring your history, bring that little journal, bring your app, kind of show, you know, this is what I'm experiencing. I'm 28 days apart. I'm 24 days apart. I'm 32 days apart, you know, and that can really give us a lot of clues as to what's going on with your body cycle. Yeah. And if your cycle is quote unquote irregular, we know not everyone is on that 28 or 30 day (laughs) or 35 day cycle, but if it is irregular, you know, maybe past, uh, you know, a 40 day cycle or a 50 day cycle or whatever that might look like for someone, does that irregularity impact the menstrual cycle in the sense of having it be heavier or more painful? It can, again, it comes back to building up the lining in the uterus and Mm -hmm. shedding it. So if it's really, really frequent, you know, that can be a lot of stress on your body. So there are ways to regulate cycles, um, through birth control pills, IUD, those kinds of things. If that is appropriate for your healthcare, then that's something that you can definitely talk with your provider about. And then painful periods, does that correlate with 
heavy bleeding? I mean, if you are a heavy bleeder, is it likely that your, your period is going to be more painful? You're going to get more cramps or is it just kind of dependent? Pretty often. I mean, we're thinking about, you know, as the lining is shedding, you know, the uterus can sometimes contract, right? And so then you're feeling those, um, those menstrual pains. And that's the, the chronic pelvic pain is something that can be related to heavy menstrual cycles, but also related to other things too. So in order to differentiate, really, it's so individual. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it's so important to keep track of what's going on. And then when you have that history, even if it's a couple of months, you know, go in and see a provider. If you feel like this is getting to be too much, it's getting in the way of your regular daily life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of when we kind of cross into that line of it possibly being something else like fibroids or endometriosis, right? Right. Yeah. So those two things are really two of the most common causes of very painful periods for women. Um, not everyone who has fibroids, not every woman who has fibroids has painful periods. However, that's something definitely to consider. They can, it can be correlated. Um, other common causes of painful periods can be something called polyps or also malignancies. So it doesn't mean that you have, if you have a painful period that you have any kind of GYN cancer, <laughs> I want to make that really clear. However, it's something important to check out. If you have really, really big fluctuations in your pattern in co- combination with heavy bleeding, that's an important thing to, um, to go be seen for. Yeah. Because I mean, if that's, if that is the case, you do want to be able to try to get ahead of it. Um, because what are some of the symptoms? I mean, I know we've talked about, you know, the heavy bleeding or the more painful or frequent periods, but when it comes to like uterine fibroids, what are some of those symptoms that women might want to look for so that they can see their provider? Sure. Well, first of all, fibroids are non-cancerous tumors of um, like muscle and fibrous tissue, and it can occur in lots of parts of the body, but really most commonly it's in the wall of the uterus. Um, there are lots of different places as well. So that's really one of the most common tumors of the reproductive tract. And about 40 to 80% of women have fibroids over their lifetime, but most are small. They're not symptomatic. They're not concerning, but when they're larger then that's when we really have a a more serious concern. Yeah. So as far as um, location and severity, you know, that can really be varied. So imaging is really actually necessary to find out where they are, how large they are. And then there's a determination of what to do about them. So as a midwife, if someone comes to me and then I send them for imaging and we find out that they're fibroids, then that's a referral to a GYN um, specialist or surgeon. So if you have established relationship with a primary care doc or with a midwife, someone who is not going, not surgical intervention is not part of their scope, then they'll be able to refer. So you can still go to um, the person or the medical provider you've established care with for these um, symptoms, but just know that they'll, they'll um, refer you on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it is something to take seriously because there are, I mean, we never want to, you know, talk about anything to scare people, but it's, it's more to bring awareness in the sense, because there are some serious side effects that come with these. Right, exactly. So anemia from blood loss and miscarriage or infertility can be a possibility with, um, with fibroids that have grown larger or are, um, are not in that like normal range category. So you kind of mentioned symptoms, um, with uterine fibroids, you can have longer, more heavier, heavier, or painful frequent periods. Um, bleeding between periods is also, um, a, can be a sign, bloating, feeling really full in your lower abdomen, um, nausea, fever, pain during sexual intercourse is another one as well. Not everyone who has pain 
during sexual activity has fibroids, but it's something to consider. Um, lower back pain, constipation, frequently urinating, not able to urinate, those, those kinds of things. So sometimes it's a combination of all of those, or sometimes it's one that's very severe. And um, also when it comes to fibroids, what are some of the risk factors that women should be aware of? Right. So we find that um, body mass index or obesity, actually. So if you're more than 20% over a healthy body weight, that sometimes can be a risk factor for fibroids. Um, heredity, that's actually something to consider. Family history, um, not having children. So if you've moved through childbearing years without having a pregnancy, then that actually can be a risk factor for fibroids. Early onset menstruation. So younger, like younger than 11. The idea behind that is that your um, cycle hormones have started really early. And so your body's been exposed to a lot more of those throughout over time. Um, also vitamin D deficiency, a poor diet that kind of goes along with that um, possibly higher BMI. Um, not having enough fruits and vegetables, green vegetables, who knew, right? <laughs> that could be really helpful. Alcohol use, especially heavy alcohol use is a risk factor. And then race. And we need more studies about this, but it is actually more common for black women in particular to have fibroids or fibroids that are concerning. And then what about treatments, monitoring? What, you know, if, if we do get this diagnosis uh, that this is what's causing, you know, our, our heavy bleeding and our menstrual cramps, the fibroids, what's the next step for us? Well, you can lower your risk by mitigating some of those things, right? A healthy diet, staying away from alcohol, getting enough vitamin D, all of that. But really it, most women have small fibroids and those are important to monitor. And so I would say that, you know, as a primary care provider or as a midwife, you know, that's something that I would pass on to uh, an OBGYN um, to be able to monitor those through imaging and also symptom tracking. And then there could be a decision about surgical intervention, but that's something that usually is a little further down the road for most women and monitoring is typically the very first step. And that's why it's so important to talk to your provider off the bat if you are feeling symptoms so that you can make sure to monitor if this is something uh, that you have. Exactly. And then what about endometriosis? I, I feel like that is something that is more commonly talked about or a, a more popular word um, that I hear uh, over fibroids. What, what's the difference between the two? Yeah, good question. So fibroids, as I talked about, are that it's that muscular or fibrous tissue growth. Um, and endometriosis itself is actually a displaced tissue that grows out, like it's uterine lining tissue that grows outside of the uterus. And sometimes that can be associated with extra nerve growth and other things that actually can cause um, pain. And typically that's associated also with that hormone surge. So pain around cycles, menstruation cycles is typically something that women will, um, will report. Yeah. So it is something that we hear about more often now, probably than ever before. And part of that is that more studies are being done, more is being understood and more women are being diagnosed. So like as lots of other things in healthcare, we're noticing it more. So is it that more women have endometriosis now than ever before, or is it that we're noticing it more and able to mm -hmm. diagnose more? Yeah. The chicken or the egg, right? Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a great thing. I mean, that's fantastic that women are talking about these things more and, you know, feeling more comfortable to share, whether that be with their provider or, you know, with their friend, because I mean, the statistic that you have here is 
endometriosis can actually affect one in 10 women. Yeah, that's what studies show. And it's an interesting thing because as this displaced tissue grows, it can thicken, it can break down and bleed. Um, and then it's got, it has no way really to exit the woman's body. So it ends up being trapped. It can irritate surrounding tissue. There's a lot of inflammation issues surrounding endometriosis and can really cause a lot of pelvic pain and actually long-term um, scar tissue, cysts. I mean, there are all kinds of things surrounding that. So if you have, you know, this, um, I made a short list of symptoms, painful menstrual yeah. periods, pain with sexual intercourse is another one, pain with bowel movements or urination, excessive bleeding during or between periods, fatigue, diarrhea, constipation, bloating, nausea, especially during periods. And then infertility actually can be another part of this list. So usually again, just like fibroids, it's a combination of these things, not necessarily just one, but something to consider. And I was going to ask, you know, a lot of the symptoms are similar between the fibroids and the endometriosis. Um, clearly this isn't something that we can self-diagnose ourselves with. We need to see a provider, especially to determine, um, you know, if it is the case that we, we do have one of these and need to monitor um, like I said, we can't self-diagnose this. We, we definitely need to talk to our provider and be able to have them tell us what we do need to be monitoring. Yeah. So if you're having severe pelvic pain or heavy bleeding, I mean, again, we talked about this, it can impact your daily function and your life. Don't just get used to it. Don't just accept it as normal. Definitely see someone. So especially if you started menstruation at an early age, or if you're, um, you have those heavy periods, high estrogen levels also can be a factor. Um, another risk factor is a low body mass index. Now this is an interesting one. So um, tall, very thin women have actually also risk factors for this and who, who eat a lot of trans fats. That's another, another very fascinating thing in studies. Um, family history of endometriosis. So again, that heredity um, yeah. part of it. Yeah, so causes can really be elusive. Um, it's something that really needs to be looked at and uh, in a complete overview and a complete workup through imaging, through that cycle history that you bring into your provider in a journal or an app. And then um, really having some, uh, some monitoring is usually pretty important too. And I mean, I would assume like with any type of ailment or scenario that our body might be going through early diagnosis, of course, is important when it comes to fibroids or endometriosis. Yeah. And that's a tricky one because that list of symptoms that we talked about is just like, those things are common. And why am I going to go mm -hmm. see someone if I'm nauseous and I'm bloated? Well, I just, I should just like drink more water and, you know, eat a better diet. Um, right. so think about the combination of those symptoms, how long you've had them, when, at what time of the month does it get worse? You know, those things are all factors to put into that, that, that journal that you have that you bring in. So yeah, starting with, um, low intervention can help. So keeping track over of symptoms over time, um, being seen early. And that's why annual exams can be so helpful. Sometimes we just skip over those. As women, we're often caregivers for ourselves, for others. We don't necessarily think as much about um, our healthcare in particular and actually getting those annual exams. But that's something that where you can you know, be asked the questions, ask questions yourself, review your normal cycle, what's normal for you, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then find out if that's something that you really need more intervention or more monitoring or screening. No, and you're absolutely right. It is so imperative that we, you know, make those annual exams because we might be asked a question in that exam from our provider that we might not have thought about before, or we had thought about, and then we forgot about because we thought, oh, it's, like you said, it's just my normal. It's just what I am used to, or 
what my life is now that I've had a baby or what my life is now, you know, see my periods get heavier or whatever. Um, and that provider may say, Hey, you know, how have your periods been? And then you automatically think back and go, Oh, wait, they have been different, or I have been feeling more pain or, you know, whatever that symptom might be. And that can be very helpful. Definitely. And so during that discussion, then it can be determined on what we need to do next. You know, do you need some imaging? Do we need to do more monitoring over time? Um, and then there are a couple of different treatments. So quickly, you know, endometriosis is, can, is microscopic in nature, so it necessarily, can't necessarily be seen. So when we're, ta- when we're talking about imaging, it'd be like pelvic anatomy. We just want to rule things out. Mm-hmm. And then as far as um, treatment, you know, before surgery, there are medications that are possible to take um, to help to treat um, endometriosis. And then also because it goes hand in hand with fertility, a lot of women are very interested in figuring this out, you know, before they um, start their family. There are different schools of thought about how to treat endometriosis and monitoring is important, although the tissue is so microscopic that surgical intervention can be helpful um, after a trial of other things. And again, a surgeon would be the most important person to to, um, decide that treatment and what to do next. But there um, there's precise surgery to remove tissue. And then there's also less invasive laparoscopy. Um, And then some women actually end up needing a hysterectomy. So that's the most dramatic um, end Mm -hmm. of the spectrum. But really we wanna start small, right? We wanna start with the remedies that we can, um, that we can address. And really what you can do is see your provider. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, see your provider that you're comfortable with. You know, if that's coming to you as a certified nurse midwife, um, or your, you know, your primary care, your OB, you know, see who you're comfortable with. And then that person who you trust, who you've seen, um, can recommend or refer you out, uh, to someone else if necessary, if need be for, um, for your treatment or for your diagnoses. We so appreciate you walking us through all this. Like I said at the beginning, you know, it's something that isn't talked about much, um, just kind of in the broad spectrum of periods in general. You know, we don't, we don't share that with a lot of people of what that looks like for us on a monthly or, you know, cycle basis. Um, and as always with so many of our topics on the baby or baby podcast, um, you know, when it comes to the topics we're discussing, we're not the only ones dealing with them. There are so many other women that are going through the same things um, and it's okay to talk about them. It is okay. It's actually really important. So in order to support each other, you know, if you're listening to this and this is not the case for you, you know, you don't have these issues and you know someone who does, then encourage them to see their, their women's healthcare provider. We really want to want to be able to reach women and help them where they are and help them get to the place where, where they want to be so in their life fully without being held back by monthly cycles. Yeah, absolutely. Leah Moses, thank you so much for being with us. A certified nurse midwife with Intermountain Health. We so appreciate your time. You're welcome. And that concludes this episode of the Baby Your Baby podcast. Thanks for joining me, Jade Elliott, and our guest for this week's Baby Your Baby podcast. If you have a topic that you'd like our Baby Your Baby experts to discuss, leave us a comment and don't forget to subscribe. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health.